This is B-Side. I'm Andrea Seabrook. And that buzz. I don't know if you can hear that buzz. That buzz is the overhead lights of your favorite store and mine, Home Depot. There are lots of things I love about big, crazy hardware stores. The wood smell, the weird fixtures and faucets you can buy. But it's also, I have to say, the site of some of the hugest disasters that have ever happened to my house. This is where you come when your piece of cake project turns out to be quicksand. <laughs> and that's what this show is about. It's about those times you say, piece of cake, no problem. And then something goes horribly wrong. I'm talking to people here in this Home Depot about some of the more exciting piece of cake moments they've had in their lives. Home improvement projects. What's your name and where are you from? I'm John Waldrop. I'm from Crofton. And you? Mary Waldrop. And um, so are you working on a home project? Yeah, kind of like a bunch of them and stuff, though. I've, I've been kind of like scatterbrained with kind of stuff, though. But I mean, I'm trying to like f finish my attic right now. Then I also started some other projects that like the kitchen floor. And then I, I'm like half done, like, or partially done, like about 10 different projects and stuff, though. <laughs> so I mean, I, I'm kind of like ADD or something, I guess, so but I don't know. <laughs> Does this make it fun to live in your house? No, I have stuff everywhere. Can't get in any room. Yeah, we have ladder. We have like ladders blocking bathrooms, lumber blocking staircase. It's just ridiculous. But when you start these projects, do you think to yourself, "No problem, piece of cake"? Um, pretty much. And then I end up calling people and stuff. And so, uh, so, so, what should I do here? You know. So it's kind of kind of hard sometimes, though. But you find yourself making after work runs to Home Depot. Yeah. This is this is my. I, since Sunday, I've been to either Lowe's or Home Depot three times. So, <laughs> so three times in four days. So. <laughs> so your estimate as to when you'll be done? Hopefully next summer. <laughs> Another one of those piece of cake moments happened to Claudine Zapp, one of the B-side contributors. She loves to sing. She's had professional training. She was top-notch as a kid. But she decided to try something she hadn't done before, karaoke. She wanted to get in touch with that inner rock star she had and discovered it's actually much harder than it seems. Claudine Zapp takes us through her first experience behind the mic with 10 of her closest friends in a dark private karaoke lounge. If you're like most of the world, you're probably rolling your eyes at this moment because I must be one of the last people on earth not to have experienced karaoke. That's why I decided that at the very next opportunity, I would jump on the karaoke craze. Just a little late. I would take my 15 minutes of divadom and my friends would never know what hit them. I would croon a tune from a Madonna album and people would rush forward and mistake me for her. I would outdo the material girl. I mean, how hard can it be? Every day, I listen to Madonna as I work out in the gym. When I run, I even sing along. I don't need Madonna to sing Madonna. I just need karaoke. Our room has all sorts of stuff to get us in the mood, like comfy benches, flat screen TVs, black light a computer to enter the massive choices of songs, and two overstuffed binders filled with song choices. And there, awaiting my debut at the center of the room, the microphone. My microphone. But I don't need those binders. I know my song. It's Madonna. I'm ready. <laughs> no fear. I can totally do this.
Do I even really know the song? I know the chorus, but I sort of forget how the tune goes before that. And oh my God, I think I'm totally off. much better in my head. You know, my friends don't even care. They're applauding me like I really am the material girl. You know, I'm just missing the whole point of karaoke. Even when you're bad, you're good. And I am a material girl. A material, a material, a material. was the vocal stylings of B-Side Zone, Claudine Zapp. This is B-Side. I'm at the DIY capital of the world, Home Depot. On this episode of B-Side, we're talking to people about some of their piece of cake moments. You know, oh, that project, that'll be a piece of cake. Learning to sing karaoke, piece of cake, no problem. And then it doesn't quite work out that way. Sure. What's your name? Where are you from? James Mobley from Bowie. And um, so what are you picking up today? Well, I had hoped to pick up a couple of uh, French doors, but I need um, a smaller size than what they're carrying here. I need two 16-inch French doors as opposed to one 32-inch, and of course, they don't have it here. So, when you when you decide when you planned this project, were you thinking piece of cake, no problem? Actually, we started off with one thing, and that looked nice, and so maybe we need to do something now with this. We've been talking about it for a while. Let's get it all done together. So it's, it's a small project a painting that has mushroomed into replacing doors and flooring and now adding tile and rooms, things of that nature. <laughs> so it's, but it's going to end soon. Yeah? <laughs> you Definitely. <think> <laughs> With two kids in college, we're going to have to cut it. Okay. <laughs> Good luck. Okay, then. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. A different kind of piece of cake moment happened to John Tynan when he went to shave his head for the first time. He's one of those poor guys that has male pattern baldness, which actually I think most women find kind of sexy if it's done right. You know, like shaved heads, Jean-Luc Picard, Daddy Warbucks. The only ways that looks terrible is when you do the horrible comb-over thing or the permanent baseball cap or some kind of crazy swirl. (laughs) John Tynan knew that, and so he went ahead and tried, like I said, he went ahead and tried to do that shaving all by himself, and it didn't quite go as he'd planned. Bald, bald, bald. I shaved my head, and I'm glad I did it. At first, I thought it would be easy. One Sunday, armed with some dull kitchen scissors and an old razor, I went into the bathroom and cranked the medicine cabinet mirror so that I could just about make out the back of my head and started snipping. 
I started clipping away what was a halo of hair around the sides of my middle-aged head. And even for someone who had what I thought was very little hair, I was amazed at how long it took. And it just wasn't an easy cut. It was like I was gnawing away at the hair. It was coming off in uneven clumps, and it was like I was wearing it down, not just cutting it, but wearing it away. Midway through the cut, my wrist was weak from fatigue and my shoulders and back ached from craning my neck around in such strange directions. And I thought, oh my God, am I going to have to run down to the barbershop with a baseball cap on, totally ashamed? Am I going to have to have them finish it? Am I going to have to lift my cap off in the middle of the barbershop with all these guys hanging around talking on a Sunday afternoon and have this hilarious haircut and have to tell them the whole story, have to tell them why I did it? I certainly wasn't going to tell them how I felt about male pattern baldness, how it pigeonholed me, like for the rest of my life, I'd be limited to unglamorous jobs in middle management. I sure wasn't going to tell them how. Every time I stayed up late watching movies, each time when presented with a hair replacement ad, I thought I was actually looking at a photo of myself. I just want my appearance to be as best as it can be. So when looking in the mirror, I feel good about how I look. No. I don't think I would tell them that. Everyone knows that anyway, or at least suspects it. But I might have told them what possessed me that one Sunday just to go into the bathroom with a scissor and an old razor and start clipping away. How ticked off I was at this woman I was friends with, how we had talked about her cutting my hair, and how I really was looking forward to it. You know, there's something sensual and pleasurable about getting your hair cut, like being pampered and being tended to, and then her forgetting that she had even promised she would do that, and then my deciding that, from then on, that no one was going to cut my hair, that no one was going to even see my hair, ever. And so I said, to hell with it. Even though my body ached and my patience was stretched to its limit, even though my head was clumped with patches of hair, even though the tension in my wrists and hands and the frustration over the time that this was taking told me that what I had gotten into was far beyond what I should have been doing, I kept having this feeling like I was climbing out of a rut like I was kicking some suffocating habit. So that day, calling on that sense of defiance within me, I continued shaving and little by little wore away the prickly stubble of what was left of my hair. And after I was done, I was bald, a shiny dome from top to chin. It was like I was new again. I was ready to put my old hair behind me, to not look back, and to simply and freely move on. John Tynan now keeps his head smooth and sleek with the help of his new bride, besides own Renee Gutel, who assisted in the production of this story. 
This is B-Side, I'm Andrea Seabrook. And I'm at Home Depot, the site of some of the biggest piece of cake disasters ever known to modern man. Tell me your name, where are you from? I'm John, from, uh, we're in Severn, Maryland. Okay. And I'm Kirsten. And I, I assume these are your three kids? Yes. Yeah. You have them in tow in Home Depot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're building your own house? Right. Oh my gosh. Did you think, okay, give me an idea of what you thought before you got into this. Did you think this was going to be hard, or did you think you... you we built some other houses before. Oh, really? Yeah, not in Maryland. Okay. That was the hard part. Being in Maryland? No, the, the laws, the rules. The other houses we built were down in Florida, and we had no issues. So when you got into all this permitting process and all the laws and everything, did you, did you think, because you'd been in Florida, that it would just be a piece of cake? I didn't think it would take six years. Like it's taken us. Six years? Right. Wow, that is a long time. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, from the uh, start of the construction, it's only taken about three and a half months and we're about done. So wow. that, that wasn't too bad, but just getting to the permit point took a long time. And how is it bringing your kids for every little outing to Home Depot? Not good. <laughs> right now, they're one, two are asleep and the other one is reading a home improvement book, so... As long as that stays of interest, we'll be okay. Piece of cake. We'll yeah. just run out to Home Depot, no problem. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both very Thanks. much. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it. No Take problem. care. Good luck. Bye-bye. Let's talk about another kind of piece of cake moment. And that's, okay, nothing about pregnancy is piece of cake. But, you know, you'd think that your body would be prepared. I mean, we're animals, right? Would be prepared for... The one thing that seems like this should just come naturally, and that is breastfeeding. I mean, you're supposed to be able to just, you know, hold the baby up and go. The dirty little secret of young motherhood is that that's not true. So many women struggle to feed those hungry little babies. New moms Erica Kelly, Christine Ayers, and Elizabeth Friedman Branoff figured out that this was no piece of cake. Feeding is the first real connection between you and your new baby. It doesn't get any closer than that. I knew everything about being pregnant and I was fascinated by it. But towards the end, it dawned on me that, hey, you know, this is only lasting nine months and once I have the baby, it's forever. But I know very, very little about what to do with the baby once he arrives. And that includes breastfeeding. So I took a class in the last month or so of my pregnancy. I took a breastfeeding class so thankful I did because I would not have any had any clue I mean there's just you would think it would be totally intuitive what you would have to do to um, to breastfeed but in order to do it right and to do it so that it doesn't hurt you like crazy um, you have to get at this particular latch and you have to have the baby's mouth covering this part of your nipple and not that part of your nipple and if I had not known that when they arrived and I was exhausted from, you know, hours and hours of labor. There's no way, there's no way I could have done it. So I'm really glad that I had somebody to teach me how. The challenge is once the baby's born, you don't have any catch up time. You can't say, okay, baby, go away for a day because I need to read about this so I know what to do and then come back to me and I'll take care of it. <laughs> you know, if you don't have any time to do that, 
Because anytime you get five minutes, boy, you just want to lay down and go to sleep. Even though nursing may be nature's way. And see how she's opening her mouth? Mm -hmm. That's a good sign that she's ready to feed. It doesn't always come naturally. It's really surprising that there's not more information for pregnant women about the common, common difficulties that women have that you learn about after you start having these problems, that you're not the only one out there, that breastfeeding is harder than you think it will be, and that there are these problems that can arise, and the problems can be extraordinarily frustrating and extraordinarily painful and can require lots of intervention. And so it was quite shocking to go from thinking it'll all happen very naturally and it's a no-brainer to wow, your body isn't responding, isn't doing what it's supposed to do. And in order to get your baby to gain weight, you have to do all kinds of tricks and gymnastics and put your body in situations that might be painful in order to make sure that she's getting what she needs. And best of all, your body will make as much milk as your child needs. You won't run out. I'll tell you, the biggest surprises for me about breastfeeding was how much I had to think about it. You know, I just thought it would happen, and it just, it didn't happen. You had to think about what time it was, what time the baby last ate, if you're going to go out somewhere, you're going to need to pump, because if you don't, you're going to just leak all over the place. What time do you need to be back if the baby's not eating off a bottle, or, you know, you need to feed them next, you can only be out for so long. Is he getting enough milk? Is he getting too much? Okay, he just spit everything up. Does that mean he's hungry again? You know, there's just all these things that go into it, and... You just feel like if you fail at this, your baby's going to not get enough food, and that just makes you crazy when you're a new mother. Continue to breastfeed as long as you and your baby want, at least to one year. You know, despite all of the pain and the frustration and the fact that I had to, quicker than I would have liked to, switch to formula, um, there was definitely that bonding component of it where your baby is latched onto you and you're attached and you're holding this warm bean on your bosom you know it's so maternal and um, biological and beautiful and peaceful and in the middle of the night although exhausted sometimes it's your special quiet time together and um, it is a very very special time despite and it was I still remember the best of those times fondly despite the difficulty I had That was Elizabeth Friedman Branoff, Kristen Ayers, and Erica Kelly. The mom behind the mic is producer Sarah Bon. Home Depot is full of these kinds of piece of cake moments. But let's take a little bit of a departure here. Let's talk about buying a 10 pound bag of chocolate chip cookies and saying you're only gonna have one a day. Right. That's about as likely as staying on a diet through the coming holidays even harder if the object of your desire wants you to. Check this out. This next piece of cake story comes from Anna Cranage-Conathan and her late night conversations. Alice. Alice. Hello? Is anyone there? You who? Over here. Where? Right behind you. <gasps> Ta-da! 
Hi, you good looking. Oh my god. I'm dreaming. I'm delusional. No, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely sleepwalking, right? I, I... Hey, why are you sitting on the kitchen counter? I'm magic, Alice. Now come here and give us a nibble. No, no, no. I have learned my lesson with you, mister. Oh, come on, Alice. I've changed. You haven't changed. Sure I have. No, I would have noticed. We could pretend I've changed. Good night. Alice, don't go. I need you. What did you say? It's true, Alice. I need you. And you need me. No. No, I, I don't. Then tell me this. Why am I here? It's a moment of weakness I have come to regret. Weakness, perhaps. But I think it was passion. Lust. <gasps> dare I say, hunger. <laughs> I could see it in your eyes when we ran into each other in the bakery this afternoon. You want me, Alice. No. You want me bad. Please. Oh. No. Yummy, yummy. That's it. I am throwing you out. This time it's for good. Don't you feel the passion when we touch? You can't deny it, Alice. <gasps> Why deprive yourself of the sweetness of our love? Mm, no, I can't. I can't do it. I, I want you, but you're bad. Bad! Maybe I am bad, but I'm so, so good. <sighs> Cold foods are supposed to be healthy. Why do they even have a flippin' bakery? I knew I should have stuck to the produce section. The cute stock boy gives me free fruit samples. Oh, please, Alice, you insult me, comparing me to that trash. Does stock boy make you feel the way I do? No, but I never regret sampling his fruit. You have regrets about us? Oh, Alice, please. What we share can't be wrong. If... I let myself have you. It'll be satisfying in the moment. You know it will. But once you're gone, I'll think about what I've done. No thinking, baby. Which will cause me to get depressed, and depression will lead to rampant eating, and I will get fat and then more depressed. And just when I'm at rock bottom in dirty pajama bottoms eating butter from the fridge, you'll show up with your sweet talk. You'll lure me in just like always, and we'll start this depraved cycle of shame all over again. My friends were right about you. I should have purged you from my life a long time ago. Come on, Alice. What? You know you don't have any friends. No, no. Beth and I are talking again, and we've signed up for this great knitting class at... <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, you're right. All alone. It's true. Nobody understands you. You know, they really don't. They can't tell you what to do. I am an adult. Amen, sister. They don't know what I need. And what do you need, girlfriend? I need your chocolatey icing, your velvety crumbs. I need you cake. Let's get it on. Oh, oh, Alice. Oh, yes. Oh, God. Sweet abandon. Mm. Are those walnuts? Oh, Alice, don't stop. Okay. I love you. Whoa. I thought we were just having some fun here, baby. What? Uh, I, I think I gotta go. Call me. You won't admit you love me. And so, how am I ever to know? I ask you and then
That was Anna Kranich-Conathan and Mikey Kelly. The piece was produced by Molly Peterson. If you really love me. This is B-Side. I'm Andrea Seabrook back at the Home Depot, standing in the aisle with these metal bits and these tar paper. I don't even know. I must be in a roofing place. I'm talking to people about their experiences with piece of cake moments. What's your name? Where are you from? Uh, Stephen Alstein Bowie. And uh, what are you working on? Uh, complete house remodel. Oh my gosh. Dude, okay. You can't have thought when you got into this that this would be a piece of cake. No, not at all. <laughs> no, I did, honestly, I really I knew that it would be difficult, but first time doing it, so definitely did not think it was going to be easy. And so are you finding that it's even harder than you thought it would be? No. No? I expected this. Really? Yes. So you're not one of those people who sort of gets dives into a project thinking, no problem, and then suddenly has a big mess. No, not at all. We should learn from you. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Where did you learn this amazing skill? Amazingly enough, Bob Vila. <laughs> watching, watching television shows and picking it up. Cool. This old house, yep. right? PBS. That's right. This is for public radio, so <laughs> oh, nice. we thank you. <laughs> nice. Do you have any advice for the rest of us? Don't bite off bigger than you can chew. Good advice. Thank you very much. You heard it from the horse's mouth. Don't bite that piece of cake. Hanging out in Home Depot for an afternoon has been a piece of cake, actually. Though I can see the remnants of fallen projects all around me. But that's all for this spin of B-Side. Contributors to this show are Claudine Zapp, John Tynan, Sarah Bonn, and Anna Kranich-Conathan. Story editors are Tamara Keith, Renee Gattel, Mia Lobel, and Molly Peterson. The show producer is Sarah Bonn, and the executive producer is Tamara Keith. Our theme music was composed by Dave Kaufman, and I'm Andrea Seabrook. To learn more about B-Side and our crew, check out the website at bsideradio.org. That's the letter B, S-I-D-E, radio.org. See you next time. <laughs>